Father, we pray and agree that your word is anointed, that it's living and active. And we agree, God, that you would use it to, to uh, transform our very lives. So we agree that if we've heard it or not, if it's old, if it's familiar, if it's, uh, if it's, if, if it's brand new, if it's a sweet aroma to us, or if it's just dusty old words, God, to us, no, it's not to you, God. Make it what you have intended for it to be, bread of life. Let it be to us this day that it nourishes our very soul, God. And let it come in and speak beyond our own understanding or comprehension. We pray that you will ignite the words that, that God, they, they literally fly off the pages into our hearts and into our mind, and they transform us according to your purposes, God. And we agree with your anointed word right now, living and active in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So what if an angel, God sent an angel to you? What would you do if he told you something that was just off the wall? God ever tell you anything that was off the wall? <laughs> He's told me some off the wall stuff, and then I did it, and everybody was like, man, you're off the wall. You're out of, you're whacked. Huh? You're whacked. Well, if you're whacked in Jesus, you know, like there's a beer commercial that says it's only weird if it doesn't work, right? Hey, guess what? It might be weird and you haven't seen it work yet. You know that? That's the way God works? Is that it may be weird, but it's only because you haven't... Give it time. Wait for it. That was last week's message. Wait for it. God, God has a plan. He's working it. We just have to wait for it. Be patient. Amen? So go to Luke chapter 1. It's actually the first one of the first narratives of, uh, of the Bible. It's, of course, talking about the birth of Jesus. It's a little long, so I'm going to read, and then I'm going to give you the comments. Actually, the fill in the blanks, I'll tell you when I get to that point, because that's really going to be the wrap-up. You'll know when I'm, I'm getting, getting to the end, because we'll start filling in the blanks. Right now, we've got to understand what the preaching is based on, what God wants us to get from what He's already given to us, all right? So here it is, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 38. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to, unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, 
How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. What if, in our unbelief, God did something to respond to our unbelief, and it wasn't favor? See, when God speaks, he requires us to respond in a specific way. I don't know too many cases where that's ever happened in modern days, where we've seen God do something because of our unbelief. He's long-suffering and he's patient toward us, isn't he? Thank you, Tommy. Hallelujah. Since you didn't believe what I said, since you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak. Wow. So it says they realized his gestures in verse 22. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. I said, Tommy, I said, what do you do if all of a sudden I don't know sign language? I don't know how to speak. How do I come out and how will I communicate to the people when I don't know sign language? I did this and it looked like I was just cursing somebody. I was... <laughs> what if that happened in that? What, what, what would I do? See what I mean? Wow. So thank you, God, that you've never shut my mouth like that. It says, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak. Then he realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. 
And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Wow. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Let's go to a few of these uh, on, your, on your insert real quick. The first one from Luke 1, 12 there is uh, what the angel said. Don't be afraid. When you hear the voice of God, don't be afraid. Some people would say they, they've got voices, it's demons, it's all kinds of other. There, there's a way we're going to tell you in just a minute the way you can tell when you've heard from God. But don't be afraid. If an angel comes, Mary, it says that, that it says that Zechariah was afraid. It says that Mary was afraid. But the truth is that, that was a, a holy fear. That was because they were aware of, of the presence of God, his majesty, an angel who actually came in after 400 years of silence. That's what's called between the Old Testament and the New is where God finally said he's, it's kind of like sick and tired. I, you got, I'm t- I've been talking till I, I'm blue in the face. I'm not saying anything for a while. You ever fall silent with each other? Sometimes we give each other the silent treatment, don't we? I can't shut up, so I never give Arlene the silent treatment. I'm always ranting or something, you know what I mean? Blah, 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 blah. Don't be afraid. The second one, don't just say anything. Sometimes people, you know, it's, it's what do they say about that? Open mouth insert. Anybody ever tasted shoe leather before? You know what I'm saying? It don't, don't just, I wasn't thinking. That's the number one. When the kids were young, I can remember we'd be like, what, 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 why did you do this? And they'd be like, I don't know. Well, yes, you do know. You did it for a reason. I wasn't thinking. I'm like, okay, I don't know what part of the DNA, where'd that come from anyway? It's, it, in this case with Zechariah, it was, it was seen as unbelief. So in this narrative, when, when the angel comes to Zechariah, See, gets, gets one kind of response. When it comes to Mary, he gets a different. And that's why I'm reading the whole narrative for you is because you can see the, the two different ways that they reacted to God speaking. See, one and, and got the direct immediate judgment of that. And the other was immediately, though still afraid, all of a sudden it was like, ah, this thing that has happened, may it be done to me according to your word. That's what God wants from us. Amen. Don't say, don't just say anything, okay? You know, there's certain things in life where we ought to be doing some thinking before we open our, our, our mouth and speak, right? Yeah, especially when our wives or women ask us certain things, right? Think. No, wait a minute. What's this going to do if I say this? <laughs> it could not be good. So, number three. Um, don't shrink back. Don't shrink back, but rather step up. See, don't shrink back, but rather step up. Not my will, but yours be done. Isn't that what, what Jesus knows is he has to say is not my will, but be, let it be done, Mary says, according to your word. John, I didn't read the rest of it. You can read the rest of it. John is able to finally speak when? He's able to speak when it comes time to the naming of his son. I'm sorry, Zechariah was able to speak only at the naming of his son. Everybody else is coming up with, with all these other names. 
Horatio and whatever other names they were coming up with. And, you know, saying, let's name him this. Well, this is a good family name. Well, remember, we've got Uncle Ichabod. We need to think about Ichabod. That should be in his name somewhere. And so they're having this dialogue. And then all of a sudden, boom, daddy knows what it's supposed to be. And now he's not going to, he's not going to move in unbelief anymore. It only sometimes will take some people only one lesson. How many of you are one lesson people? You know what I mean? Where you got it. Okay. I, I got it. Other people, it could be two times, three times. Sometimes we just hang out in a wilderness. We hang out in the place where there's no life. Why? Because we're not obedient. We're not learning the lesson. Hey, if you make mistakes, okay, learn from them. Try not to make the same mistake more than once. If you do, there's still grace. Okay, don't shrink back, but rather step out. And the last one is don't, uh, or number four, is don't handle it, quote, handle it on your own. Some of us are really good at handling stuff on our own, aren't we? We don't want to tell anybody. We, we don't want to I- expose ourselves. We don't want to ask for help. Two of the greatest lies that we can ever believe. One lie is, is that I can't tell anybody. Okay, and the second lie is I can't ask for help. Because all that does is it exposes me. And if they knew the real thing about me, who I really was, they wouldn't like me. See? And so what that happens is we end up living with some sort of secret alter ego, some weirdness in our life, thinking, well, they would never, they would kick me out. They wouldn't, they wouldn't embrace me. So I live a lie, and I've got a lie. Meanwhile, I know it's a lie. Guess what? It's still a lie. The only way you're going to get free is to expose it to what I call the gospel light. Expose it and let God, let God deal with that. And then at the mercy, we throw ourselves at the mercy of the court, not of, of our peers, but the mercy of Jesus, of, of God's court. And we say, okay, God, if I survive this, when I confessed every sin to my wife before I went to Bible school, because God said, I was like, I knew better than to ask him if he was crazy. But I knew that he had me to do that. And there was a moment, an appointed time, where he says, you tell her everything. You mean about her? You mean about that? You mean about this? I'm telling you, it took hours for me to confess my sins to my wife. Oh, it wasn't like I told her the things she already knew. I told her things she had no clue about. Oh, she might have suspected somewhere along the way. But the truth is, I was real good at covering it up. I was a master manipulator. And then what happened is God said, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And, and Bible school happened to be on a hill, by the way. And, and I knew it's not the Bible school that I'm ascending to. It's his throne. It's, 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 it's embracing what he's called me to, my purpose in life. And this is what I've got to do to, 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 to be prepared and equipped. I've got to go away for a period of training. And he said, but... You're not just coming in with, with that. you got some real stuff we got to deal with before you can even come near. And I'm like, serious? But, but I'm forgiven. I'm blood-bought. That's before Jesus. Yep. Guess what? It will hinder you. It will mess with you. It will wreck your life if you don't come, come clean. And you know what I said? It ain't worth it. I'm not going to give the devil any opportunity. I'm not going to give him any hooks in me. I'm not going to give him any shadow, any kind of place where he can hang out in my life. Wah! Let that gospel light, that's what comes on million candle volt, whatever that thing is, light that just shines at blinding. See, because where the light is, what? Darkness 
It can't be there. It, it can't hang out. And so, folks, that may be the kind of thing. I don't suggest that for anybody unless you've heard from God, unless you've got that grace and your wife or husband has that grace. You can't go there because they can't handle You can't handle the truth. See what I mean? You can't handle No, but by God's grace, in his timing, you can handle the truth. So here's the thing underneath. Don't handle it. The, the way you, t- you take care of it, don't handle it on your own. So three it's. One is share it. You share it with somebody that, that you know is a mature Christian. Don't go sharing it with just anybody because what will happen is they're gonna, they'll, they'll have a chance to pervert it. Unless they are enlightened, unless they have wisdom from heaven, you don't want the wisdom of man. So the number one, share it. Number two there is test it. God says test, test the spirit. You want to test these things and, and verify who's this from. Does anybody need a pen, by the way? I know I'm asking you to fill in blanks, and then I don't know if you have a pen. Okay. Um, hand, uh, first is share it. Second is test it. And the third, once you've shared it and you've tested it, you can embrace it. That's what Mary did. She, she embraced it. Because, you know, it's, it's like, hey, I haven't even been with a man. How, is, how can this be? And, and then, you know, because she was innocent... The angel's able to declare to her then, no, it's going to be that this is going to happen. And because she was a person of faith, she was able to embrace that. Yeah, you're going to bring a Messiah. And it says it'll be for, through a virgin. She knew the Old Testament. She knew these scriptures. See? And so this was prophesied. These are prophecies about Jesus. Everybody knew the prophecies of Jesus. And they're waiting. And that's why they come to him and said, do you know John? He's in prison. And he says, hey, uh, send and uh, John the Baptist. And he says, hey, are you the one? Are you the deliverer? Are you the savior? Are you the Messiah? Because they've been waiting for a Messiah. See? So what happens is, is that she could embrace it because, wow, remember the prophecy? You're it. The angel. Wah! The angel just said, you're it. You found favor. And what's not possible with man is possible with me. And that ignites with faith inside that says, we are longing, we are yearning for this, God. Please bring your presence, bring God, bring salvation, bring the Redeemer. God, please bring the Messiah, deliver your people. And it's like back in the days of Moses when they were in bondage in Israel, enslaved. And it says, Moses first called upon, and then it says, God says to Moses, for surely I've heard the cries of my people. How long were they in slavery? 400 years. Hmm. History repeating itself. Ready? Let's go to part B. 1 Kings chapter 1. I'm sorry, how about 1 Kings chapter 19? There's a story about Ahab, and he's the king, and uh, Jezebel, his, his wicked wife, say wicked wife. Okay? And um, so Jezebel... It says everything I'm going to read from uh, whatever verse it is. I don't have it referenced here. Why don't I have it referenced? Uh, 19, it's starting pretty much around um, verse 1. Okay, ready? When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Stop. What am I talking about? Does everybody know about the story of the prophets of Baal? It's when there was a great showdown, and it says there's 450 prophets of Baal, and then there's Elijah. And they had agreed, and King Ahab put about a challenge and said, let's come and let's see whose God is real. I love this. And so it's in chapter 18, and it says that as, they, as they're talking about it, it says, well, let's, let's have a showdown. Okay, so they did a showdown, 
And so what he says is, you build an altar to your God, the prophets of Baal, and um, then we'll build an altar to my God, and then we're going to see uh, which offering he comes down, whose God is real, because he'll show up. So that's what they did. They built an offering. There were were oxen, and there were wood, and so they build this thing, and then they call on their God. And it actually says that, he says, you go first, being smart. He says, you go first. So that's what they did. And, and they built it, and then they started calling out. And in the New Testament, there's this word called asceticism. Say asceticism. Yeah, asceticism. And what that is is literally like cutting yourselves, beating yourselves, buffet your body, you know, smacking yourself. It's really torture, torturing yourself, trying to become holy or pure, some sort of self-sacrifice. Well, that's ridiculous. Stop it. See, that's a cutter. Cutters, that's not some sort of, what are you doing that for? It's not going to make you better. It doesn't do anything that's good for you. It's, it's, it's really in the spirit of asceticism, cutting yourselves, because you think you need punished. Oh, stop, please. That's not God's way. So what they're doing is, is Elijah's there, and pretty soon it's obvious that Baal's God is a no-show. And so he says, hey, cry out a little louder. Cry out. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. You know, wake him up. You just need to do a little bit more. You got to, come on, get into it, see? And so here they are trying to, and they're just wildly, and they're cutting themselves and bleeding over themselves, and nothing. No, God, hours. It says from the morning sacrifice to the noon sacrifice to the evening sacrifice. All day long, crying out. No show. And then Elijah says, okay. He says, dig a trench around mine. Dig, dig a trench. He says, okay. He says, take buckets of water. He says, okay, put some more water on it. Let's see, even the novice fire, campfire builder knows probably wood and water don't really make a very good fire. Can we agree with that? So what happens? He says, go ahead, more more water, more water. Pretty soon there's all this water on the wood. And then he says, go ahead and fill it up till the trenches, fill up the trenches. And then he says, God, he says, come on, (laughs) show off. Show off. You know what happened? Poof! Consumed the sacrifice. It says then Elijah went down and, and all the people of Israel had gathered with them for this great contest. And it says that they slew the 450 prophets of Baal. Killed them. You know what, it, what, what he did next? This is where we're at in 19. So he says he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. That's called a threat, right? Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. How many of you in the midst of some sort of threat or situations that you've you've actually thought you'll just check out? It'd be easier if you were just gone. You ever have been that in, in that great of despair? Well, maybe not even about killing yourself, but just willing to say, I'm done. I'm so done. I know too many people who have just given up that way. They don't, they don't know that they can fight. No, they didn't. They didn't give up. And guess what? Some of you might be here today. And what you found is you found that he could carry you through what you didn't think you could get through. So it says, he was afraid and he fled for his life. And, and he says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones 
and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told them, Go back to the same way you came. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. Bring Elijah and three days ago to be killed there. Then the Lord changed the appearance of the vision to the king of Israel. As for Elijah, the son of Shaphat, went down from Jerusalem to the place where my father lived. See, sometimes God whispers catch our attention. We sometimes need him to yell at us, don't we? But he really knows what's best, so he might just whisper instead of shouting. And if you've gotten used to, I'm only going to answer God if he shouts, you stop trying to trick God and make him do what you want him to do. And you start training your ear to hear the still small voice. Let's go from five on. From this passage, from verse four specifically, don't resign, quit, or give up. That's what he did after a great triumph. Do you, don't you know that's what happens after you get a great report, after something happens where you experience the favor of God? The next thing to happen is the devil rears his ugly face and he's trying to scare you off. He's trying to make himself like, you know, he's threatening. That's exactly what King Ahab did. Is he, you know, Jez, Jezebel actually is the one who threatened him. And then he, 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 he backs off. And after this great victory, now all of a sudden he's fleeing. What, what? Wait a minute. Don't resign, quit, or give up. Number six, don't try to do it in your own natural strength or stamina. Not in your own natural strength or stamina. See, because sometimes that's what happens. We're pretty tough. We can, we're pretty resilient. And we can do a lot of things, man. I'm multifaceted and gifted and I don't need anybody. And I've got enough credit cards to buy my way a lot, through a lot of stuff. See? So what I can do is I can just bully my way along. I can just fool everybody and look good on the outside. And meanwhile, I'm manipulating things and I'm working things. And, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. That's because I'm trying to handle it on my own. But if you humble yourself, God says what about those who humble themselves? He raises you up. You're bowed down and you're made low. And it's just like, man, I've got to tell you. And you know what he does? He says, get up. Get up. Actually, he says, come unto me. That's what he says. 
Come unto me. That's what he wants us to do. Don't try to do it in your own natural strength or stamina. That's verse 5 through 8. Don't reject, number 7, don't reject a second helping. Hey, there's plenty. Go ahead, have some more. Oh, no, that's okay. My stomach growls. You hear it. Come on, go ahead. There's more. No, (laughs) that's okay. Me, you tell me to go twice, I'm going twice. I'll have more. Don't reject a second helping. The the connotation underneath there, I'm not talking about natural food. I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what happens is the angel wakes him up and says, eat. And he's like, what do you mean eat? I'm in the wilderness. Right there. Oh, imagine that. There's some bread and water right here on this rock. Yeah, because God knows what he's doing. And he's, he's so good that when we get there, we'll find that he's already provided for it. He knew what he was doing. He knew where you're going to lay down. Guess what? He shows up and then he says, hey, he's, he's going to not let us perish in the wilderness. He'll even sustain us in the wilderness, see? So, number seven, don't reject a second helping. Number eight, don't miss the divine principle. I love this one. Don't miss the divine principle. You can find God in the desert. You can find God in the desert. You might be in a wilderness, but God is not in a wilderness. He's everywhere. And what will happen is he'll manifest himself in your personal wilderness because he put you there for a reason. He's got a purpose for the wilderness. The wilderness is a purifying place. See? It's a place where we'll find nothing else to sustain us. We'll need him to give us some bread and water. Oh, he did that for a whole generation, didn't he? Don't miss the divine principle. You can find God in the desert. By the way, you also have to deal with the devil in the desert. Remember Jesus being tempted? By the way, how many days was that? Hmm, imagine that. Elijah, 40 days and 40 nights. Noah's flood, 40 rains, 40 days and 40. Hmm, Jesus going into the wilderness being tempted, 40. All of them are revealing the power of God and his sovereignty over situations. Just thought I'd mention that with the 40 thing. Number nine. Oh, I love this. Don't confuse signs and his presence. Don't confuse because Jesus says in his day, people are longing for, for signs. They're look, a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign. It's the way that the church will be deceived is because we'll begin to look for signs and wonders and the devil's the one who will present false signs and wonders and people will be duped and people will begin to follow after a man who's not leading them to Christ. He's leading them to his, himself. He's exalting himself. And God says, if you show up that way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smack you down. Just like I'll humble those or I'll raise up those who have humbled themselves. If you're, you're haughty, you're full of pride and arrogance, phew, I'll humble you. Don't confuse signs in his presence. Remember what it said there in, in those verses? It says that when, when, the, uh, when the great storm came up, it says it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance. And a voice said, what are you doing here? I have been zealously served the Lord God Almighty. So all of a sudden what happens is he's not, he's not in that. He's not in that. 
It's his presence. See, he has power over all of those things, over the wind, and he's the one who directs them. But you'll miss it. If you think it's the wind, you'll miss it. If you think it's the earthquake, you'll miss it. If you think it's a matter of, uh, of a loud volume, a thundering roar, you might miss it. That's what we're trying to get is, is, is God wants you to be tuned and be sensitive to his voice. The Lord was not in. This next one is a quote by Catherine Kuhlman. It says, noise, noise is not the sound of power. Noise is not the sound of power. Wow. When Catherine, she said that, she said, noise is not the sound of power. Because what do you think? You and I, we probably all employed it. You know what I wanted my way? What I would do is I would get a little louder. I would get a little boisterous. And I'll outshout you is what I'll do. And so it's an intimidation. And so I can get louder and then I'm going to show you. And God doesn't do that. But I remember as a daddy, sorry, Joel and Trisha, there were many times where that's what I did. I thought I'm going to rule because I'm going to let them know how fiery, how angry I am, how mad I am. You won't do this again, will you? Oh, nice papa. You know what? When I read this narrative, Lord, will you make me like the dad whisperer? Will you make me that I can whisper, that I have gentleness, that I have meekness, that I have compassion? I'm not proud of those days, folks. And if you're trapped in that where you think because you got the loudest voice that you're going to win somehow, stop it. Men, you have a great ability to do that. But women, I can tell you, I've heard women go off on their husbands and on their kids too. If that's you, what we do is we cry out and say, God, help me. Give me a gentle whisper. Let me, let me have the language of love, God. Not that which is some sort of my own anger, frustration. Don't confuse signs in his presence. Let me give you the rest of the story which happens before the story I just gave you, and then we'll end. It's chapter 18 of 1 Kings. See, what we do is we call it, when you're preaching, you've got to read for the context. You've got to understand the context of the whole passage. So you can't just pick out the one word. I could have just brought you, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, he wasn't in the you know, earthquake. But, but you've got to understand the context. And so now I'm going to give you what lays the groundwork in, in chapter 18. And that is, is, is this short passage. Okay, it's uh, 1 Kings 18, 1 and 13 is what I'm reading. You can read all of 18 to get it all. Okay, now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Now you'd have to know that Elijah had prayed. We know that from James chapter 5. He prayed and it didn't rain. And so now God says, okay, I want to bring an end to the drought and I want to bring rain, but go do this. Show yourself to your enemy. That's really what he's saying. Show yourself to your enemy. Okay? Remember what Elijah said to God twice? He said, he said, I've served the Lord God zealously. And then he says, I alone am left of all the prophets. I, I'm all by myself. But here's the rest of the story. Has it not been told to my master? And what I did with, when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, that I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water? A hundred? Now, see, here's the deal. We're in chapter 19 where, where he's saying, I'm the only gone one that's left. But in chapter 18, Obadiah told him, hey, 
I took and I hid a hundred of us guys. It's okay. And I gave them some bread and water. They're going to be okay. Hello, Elijah, there's a hundred of you. What do you think you're all alone? Because that's what happens when you're trying to serve God. There will be times where all of a sudden you feel like you're all alone in the pursuit. You feel like you're the only one who has, has his heart. You'll feel like nobody else is with you in this thing. I can tell you from firsthand experience. And then what happens is you start letting it out on people. See, that's not the way of the Lord. So what happens is back off and recognize you're just one of the little cogs in the wheel. You're just one of the pieces of the puzzle, dude. I've got plenty. Because what's impossible with you is possible with me because I can ignite whoever I want to to bring fire, to bring revival. Yeah, okay, you're right. I'm humbled, God. Chill. I get it. Let's fill in that last blank. Don't fail to see the big picture. That's what, that's what happened to Elijah. He didn't see the big picture anymore. After a great victory like that, 450 prophets and his God showed up. See? He failed to see the big picture. It was beyond that. And so Elijah is taken out of the way. And most of you, some of you know the story of Elisha. It's the guy that he, he, he anoints to replace him. Elisha gets a double portion. Well, it's very clear that he got that double portion from his master, who is Elijah. Well, how much more could Elijah have had if he hadn't bailed on God? Let me ask you that. Sometimes you're on the brink of something, and God wants to anoint you, and you're the one who's called for it. You're the one supposed to do it. And he doesn't want somebody else. He wants you. That's why he gave that to you. He birthed it in you, and you know it. A, God is in charge. Don't fail to see the big picture. A, God is in charge. And B, maybe simple, you're not alone. You're not alone. God is in charge, and you're not alone. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Do we have worship song? Let's end with something, can we? We'll just make something happen. Yay! Hey, tonight is a Christmas party. We have in the bulletin, it says, bring a gift. You don't have to bring a gift. Some people have said, we don't like the commercialization of Christmas. So nobody here, by the way, so I'm not imitating anybody here. We don't like the commercialization of Christmas, and we don't think we should have to give gifts. And we'd like to come and have fellowship, but we don't really think we ought to have a gift. I mean, $10, $15, we did that, and there's four of us. All of a sudden, we're $60, and we've got bills to pay. Wow. Okay. How about just show up and eat some food at no expense? Oh, maybe you can bring some. And if you can't, I'll give you a credit card. You go buy some and prepare it and bring it, please. You're the one that we want to see. This is about fellowship. So tonight at 6.30, we're going to have, we call it Christmas party. We're going to have time of food and fellowship sharing. And uh, I'd, like you to, I'd like you to share some traditions. I'd like you to share some, some fond memories of Christmas. I'd like to, us to just get to know each other a little bit better. And so uh, we're building a bridge to connect people. That's what we're doing. So you're welcome tonight. You might say, we, we can't come. We've got school tomorrow, dude. But if not, hey, show up tonight. We've got extra gifts. I've got a whole tote in here. I'm going to whack, pull them out. There's things for uh, men, women. We're just going to, we're just going to, so we'll have more than enough gifts. We'll have more than enough food. It's not about that. It's about you showing up and, and giving us the opportunity to enjoy your friendship and to get to know you better. So forget the ball games that's on or anything else. There's nothing better than being here tonight. Amen?
What else than that, my bride? She shared something. Is there something else I need to do? Arlene's making. What are you making, these boats? No, those boats you're making for tonight. Oh, man, smoky poppers. Doesn't that just get you salivating? They're smoky poppers, <laughs> okay? Arlene's making them. So um, we appreciate you coming here, and we'll, we'll just see what God's going to do with us. What else was there? Christmas cards, there's a whole thing at the end of the hallway. We just have decided we'll try to emulate the post office but be more efficient. So you can bring your cards here for each other, and they're back in alphabetical order if you put them there. If you didn't, shame on you. Um, but, but the Christmas cards, and you can come bring them here. And uh, help, let me give you this. Don't just sign your name, though some are too late. You'll be going back scavenging through your cards. Um, think about it to give, give something down and say something. Say, think of a scripture. Think of a prayer. Do something that way. But it's always nice to get a card, even if it just says me. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Well, do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? You know what it is? It's the master. And he's calling out to you. And he wants to speak personally to you. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to live with purpose. He wants you to have the victory. He wants you to live in light of of the cross that has the victory. He wants you to live with that hope, with that peace, with that joy unspeakable joy. So, Father, we'll embrace your word and ask for you to speak to us in some profound way. It's how everybody made it in the, in the great chapter of Heroes of the Faith. They heard from you, God, and then they acted on it. So, God, let it be said of us that we heard from the Lord and we obeyed. Let it be done to us according to your word. And, Father, I pray your blessing on each and every family and household represented. I thank you for uh, friends and family. I thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to uh, come with James and Maureen and with Dominic, with Katie, with Aaron. Thank you for those who you've gathered and you brought back to us, God. Thank you for, for, uh, for enlarging the place of our own heart, helping us to, to love you, helping us to love one another. And we just pray, God, that you're going to help us this week as we live our life for you. Let that light shine be glorified and honored. And we bless Callie especially. In Jesus' name, amen.